Welcome to Highway Christian Community Sermon Downloads. For more sermons, please visit our website. We know you will be blessed as you listen. Take care and God bless. Well, good morning, everyone. Those of you that I do know, it's nice to see you again. Those of you that I don't know, it's great to meet you in a distance. Uh, this is quite a daunting thing, I just have to tell you. I've, I've stood up here behind there, behind a piano, and I'm comfortable there. But just behind a mic and a lectern, it's a little bit more intimidating, I've got to tell you. But I know you guys are friendly, so we'll, uh, I'll just go on that. Um, wonderful privilege to be here, of course. And um, Shelley and I were just chatting about this building and the testimony of this house. And um, in the old days, it was Victory, Victory Faith Center, I think, that was here. And s- sometimes it feels like there's still a residual anointing in the atmosphere around here. Amen. We're standing on shoulders that have been carried, carried ahead of us. And just the faithfulness of this house and to honor Steve and Janet, just for a radical testimony. This is a radical spirit house. Amen. So to have a series on the Holy Spirit and to have Pentecost Sunday and to be invited to come and share something around the Holy Spirit, come on. That's an awesome privilege. So um, I'm delighted. Shelly and I are delighted. And you know, Shelly and I were ruined for the ordinary, as they say, by the Holy Spirit. Um, thanks. Thanks so much. Yeah, my water. My water's really. It's just out the same tap, actually. Take a sip. Um, where was I? Yeah, we were, we were ruined for the ordinary um, in the early 90s. Well, actually, even before that, but... Um, Shelley and I were, were baptized in the Holy Spirit at Kloof Methodist Church up the road. Uh, there was a little revival that happened there in, in the 80s, giving my age, age away. But um, we were teenagers at the time, and people had, been, had encountered the Holy Spirit. And um, some guys had come down, actually, to Victory Faith Center in those days. I think it was in the old Waring's Bakery down by the post office there. And some of the young people, teenagers and, and young adults, were just getting their lives turned upside down. And some of those guys... A guy by the name of Derek Fenter, who one or two of you might actually remember, um, he, he he came up to the Methodist Junior uh, Methodist Youth and started and, and led us to the Lord. And then, as as in our mid-teens, they came. They did a whole quarter on the Holy Spirit, and we'd never heard speaking in tongues before. And uh, that the, the last Sunday, it was a Sunday morning, a teen church time, and um, they said, "Right, who would like to be filled with the Holy Spirit?" And we started hearing these people speak in tongues for the first time, and our eyes nearly popped out. And um, Shelly and I that day both received oh, the baptism in the Holy Spirit. I do get emotional, I warn you. Um, and we've never been the same since. We honestly have never been the same since. It was an incredible encounter. And I think God, it became very real for me. God became real. I grew up in a Christian home. I knew Jesus, but it, it became real that day. And um, then just a little bit more of my story. I went to university in Grahamstown at Rhodes. And um, went through quite a dry time. It was three years, a lovely little church, and had wonderful encounters with God, but also a, a difficult time in my own mind, just going through doubts and questioning and being exposed to other world religions and thinking, how can we say that we, we, we write, you know? Um, and then coming back out of that time, and at, that was 91, I think. And um, Rodney Howard Brown was in town, for those of you that know Rodney Howard Brown, um, at uh, what was then City of Life, now his church came for a week to minister, or a couple of days to minister, and it turned into week two, week three. I can't remember how many weeks it was, but this laughing revival got poured out. And I came back from university, this very sort of crank, 
cranked up uh, intellectual doubting strange time in my life and and came into these meetings and I was just very irritated actually <laughs> to be honest but uh, I was irritated because I wanted it I uh, couldn't figure it out uh, but I wanted it and I couldn't get it couldn't receive it these other people were just entering in and laughing and carrying on and I couldn't receive it and um, but, I, but, I, but I earnestly said to the Lord, Lord I do want this I want this I want what you've got and um, I think it was just standing in those meetings and, and, and staying in that atmosphere. You know, the Bible speaks about the rain that comes. It keeps coming. And just presenting myself in that atmosphere. And um, over time, s- just slowly but surely, started to begin to receive. And the laughter started to flow. And God started to soften me. And, and really, I can say that that time in the early 90s just, just wrecked us for the ordinary. And uh, we become addicted to the presence of God, addicted to the Holy Spirit, always just wanting to be with Him on what He's doing and, uh, and, and, and be radical revivalists. Amen. Anyone in the house want to say, I want to be a radical revivalist? <laughs> Amen. I believe you guys are a house, a, a radical revival house. Let me take a sip. And there's so much more. You know, Harbor Christian community, what I know of the history of the church, the, the, there's been heydays. There's been, there's been revival. This church, this building has been fuller than it is today. And I'm Jumping way ahead, but I, I believe there's a time coming. There's, there's better days ahead. I, re, I came with that word today. There's better days ahead. There's greater, more glorious days. And it's not just about the numbers. It's not about filling these great chairs. It's about what God's doing. It's about the substance, the quality of what he's doing in you. Amen. So just to honor you guys, Steve and Janet, and I, I, Chelly and I personally have had some of the most profound encounters in our lives right here. I remember, uh, I don't know if you guys remember a fire tunnel. I think it might have been when Finney and Izzy were here. Grace and Glory, one of the Grace and Glories. We had a long fire tunnel, about this long. And I started over there. And by the end, I was literally jumping like, I was jumping like a, I don't know what you want to call it, like a grasshopper. It just got higher and higher and higher. And higher. <laughs> by the end, I just jumped up and then collapsed in a heap on the floor. And then, then you just lie there and then you're in the glory. And it's like God is talking to you and speaking to you and transforming you and just doing in, internal surgery. That could never have happened if it wasn't for the glory. Amen. And there's more. There's more for this house. It doesn't just have to be a fire tunnel, although that's great and let's have more. But, it, but it's what God is wanting to do. And, I, you know, it's, it's that intense moment. And I think sometimes God actually takes us through like a fire tunnel or whatever that event is to get us down there. It's to get us down. And then, then there's none of us left. And it's just him. And we communicate in spirit to spirit. He wants to get you to that place. And I think this month of speaking about the Holy Spirit and then a month of prayer, awesome. I want to just say, get yourself into that place or let God get you into that place where you're just communing with him spirit to spirit and respond. Amen. So I've jumped all over the place. I've got all these notes. So let's see, let's see if we can jump back into the notes. But one main text, and I did ask the guys to flash up uh, a little PowerPoint. It's very, very basic, very, very simple. I'm not bringing you anything you don't know. But hopefully we can focus on some things and enjoy some things together. Um, so Romans 8, verse 14, is the text and the main thing I really wanted to say today. I don't know if you guys can get that up there. Um, Romans chapter 8, verse 14, it says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So, and Steve was talking about being led by God, um, and I, I was very blessed by that because I thought, yes, we're on it. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. So, what does this what does this mean? What does it mean to be a son of God? What does it mean to be led by God? So, four little points: get out of the flesh, 
Receive the spirit of sonship. Be led. Hear his voice and be brave. So let's, let's have a look at Romans chapter 7 and, verse, and chapter 8. We're not going to read the whole thing, but let's just read a little bit of Romans chapter 8 verse 1, one of the most well-known for us in grace. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. That's a chunky passage of Scripture, and I'm sure Steve would do a hundred times better job of unpacking that than I could. But I just wanted to read that build up. And then we, jump, we jump a couple of verses, and then Romans 8, verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So what does this mean, to be in the flesh or to be in the Spirit? Um, and if you read the backdrop of this is Romans chapter 7. And for those of you that know your Bibles and have read chapter 7, it can be a little bit of a depressing chapter. And uh, maybe, maybe you've never read it. I really recommend you go and read it, Romans chapter 7. And it's Paul saying, the good I want to do, I don't do. And the, and the, and the, the bad thing, the evil things I, I don't want to do, I find myself doing. He's, he's describing the status of someone that's in the flesh, torn between what you know is right and what, and what you actually end up doing. And for those of you that have struggled with addictions, you know the reality of that thing. You, you pulled. You know it's not what you want to do, but you find yourself doing it still the same. And then the question came up when we started hearing the message of grace. Is, is that a description of how the Christian life is meant to be? Is that the description of, 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 is that your sentence as a Christian? You got saved, and then you're now sentenced to, you got saved at the age of 20, and now you're sentenced to 80 years of, of, of Christ, the crisis of being pulled one way and do, ending up doing what you didn't want to do. Is that the testimony of a, of a Christian? That's how we were taught. We were taught that, that actually, and many churches around the world are taught that. People I know, close friends, even within the last couple of weeks that we grew up as Christians, they were, they, it's almost like they've resigned themselves to the fact that actually we're going to have to live in that, in that crisis for the rest of our days. And I'm telling you, Paul ends uh, chapter 7 with a great thing. He says, uh, Verse 24 of chapter 7. He says, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? That's the conclusion of chapter 7. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And then verse 25 says, Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Hey, that's it. Right there. He delivers you from a lifelong sentence of struggling with the flesh. Amen. Come on. And then chapter 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I'm just preaching the gospel to you today. This is the good news of what we live in. We don't live in that old thing anymore. Come on. You can live there as a Christian. And thousands and millions maybe even of Christians around the world still live there. I'm just going to take a little aside. Some of you might have watched uh, the, the, the British royal wedding yesterday. Just have to mention it. So those of you royalists, some of you are uh, British by descent. I've got a bit of British, British ancestry. Not pure, but I've got some British ancestry. Anyway, I found it fascinating. But... 
that preacher, or any of you that saw the preacher, come on, how was that car? <laughs> he just brought it, man. He just brought it. Uh, if I'd been in that congregation, I would have stood up and said, Amen, preach it, brother. <laughs> anyway, it was great. The only thing I didn't enjoy about his message is that he preached love. He preached sacrifice. He preached Jesus. It was awesome. But he didn't preach that man desperately needs Jesus. He preached love. He said, you've got to love God with all your heart. You've got to love your neighbor as yourself. It's awesome, but it's impossible. He didn't preach that, he didn't preach that it's impossible. So Harry and Megan go off and say, well, you know what? We've got to love more. We've got to love our neighbor. We've got to, and it's great. And it's wonderful. And they were nodding and receiving what he had to say. But I just wanted to say, guys, tomorrow you will fail yourself. Tomorrow. Because that can be in the flesh. Amen? But in the spirit. By the power of the spirit. Not by might. As Steve's blog said. Go and read Steve's blog. Not by might. Not in our pride. Not in our strength. But by my spirit. In humility. We receive from him the ability. Amen? That was a little poem there. In humility. Receive the ability. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I'm going to get into Steve's rap territory just now. <clears throat> so the mindset on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws. It cannot. It can't. It can't. It's impossible. So what does it mean to have the mindset on the flesh versus the mindset on the spirit? The way I was taught is that it's, you know, you've got to keep setting your mind on the things above. And there is an aspect of that, that we discipline our minds. But personally, I think the revelation, and this is what I wanted to bring today, is that it's a mindset that is dependent on our performance. That's the mindset on the flesh. The mindset on the spirit is a mind that's set on Jesus' performance. Amen? That's the message of grace that we celebrate, and that's, that's part of the, 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 the fabric of this house. Our minds are not set on our achievements. Because we will fail ourselves continually if we're there. And we will fail to be led by the Spirit, which is what we're building up to. And I love verse 9, because Paul kind of says, we've got this crisis, chapter 7, who will deliver me? Thanks be to God through Jesus. And then he says, you've got to have not your mindset on the flesh, you've got to have your mindset on the Spirit. And then verse 9 says, you, however, are not in the flesh. Say, I am not in the flesh. Amen. That is a good statement. It's a good thing to remind yourself on, on a daily basis. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, Christ is in you, if you're born again today in this place, if you're not, we can help you. Um, Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. We've been given the free gift of righteousness. We are in Christ. We are in the Spirit. And that's where we need to be. We need to stay. We need to have our minds set on that reality. And in that place, we live in the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. And stuff falls off our lives. I don't know about you, but that's what's happened to me in the message of grace. You look back over your life in the two years that you haven't really been trying, and, you've watched, and you watch God doing a transforming work in your life. And He gets all the glory. Instead of us trying and striving and getting ourselves together and ticking a few boxes, and then actually, we're the ones that get the glory. And we're back in Romans chapter 7 in this crisis of what I do, I don't do, and what I want to do, I don't do, you know. Okay. Verse 7 assures us the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. The mind set on the, on the flesh is death. So we can choose death or we can choose, di- choose life in the Spirit. And I know what you guys choose. Okay, so 
Just moving on then to the focus, which is Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So when we, in, when we get out of the flesh and into the Spirit, we're in this place where the Spirit of God, the Spirit inside us cries out, Daddy, Father. Cries out, Abba. Cries out, Daddy. What a beautiful word. That is, when we're in that place where we know we're in Christ, we're not, no longer in the works of the flesh. We're no longer defined by the works of the flesh. The Spirit in us cries out, Daddy, Father. That's the voice we start to hear. And that's when we become led by Him. Those that are led by the Spirit are sons of God. It's an amazing interweave between being sons and being led. We're led as sons and daughters. And sons, we know, is a a non-gender term. It includes the daughters. So let's just talk a little bit about sonship. Um, We've received the spirit of adoption as sons. We didn't receive the spirit of slavery. It's another whole topic. We live and move and have our being in Him. We need to be sons. When, we, when you're a son and a daughter, you can be led. You can be brave because you know that that's where your identity lies. I'm defined as a son. I'm not desi- defined as a worker for God. I'm defined as a son. And as a son, I act accordingly as a son, fully provided for by the house. And I just wanted to touch a little bit on, on sonship here in this realm and in this house. And I had the sense that some people in a church like this can just end up here because it's a bigger church preaching the message of grace, church that loves the Holy Spirit, church that loves to worship like we did this morning, and maybe that's a flavor, and so you can kind of end up there. And I just wanted to say this morning, I believe God is wanting to bring some of those people into sonship in this house, that you didn't just end up here. It wasn't a default that you landed here, but God is wanting to knit you in as a son and a daughter in this household. I don't know if anyone can say amen to that. What does that mean? What does that look like? I, want to, I know what it's like because we lead a church. When, when, when people are carrying the heart of the house, sons and daughters carry the heart of the house. Sons and daughters represent the house. They share and enjoy and celebrate the values of the house. They celebrate the vision of the house, and they get behind that. They align their lives to that. Amen. Because the risk when we talk about being led by the Spirit is that, and we'll get onto that maybe, is that the Holy Spirit starts to speak to you and, and you find there's some radical, crazy things that, that the Holy Spirit starts suggesting to you or instructing to you. Um, and maybe some of those are very left field. Maybe they're very out there. And you could go and run off and do those things. But I believe the wisdom of sonship is that we bring those things. We surrender those things, submit those things, and we, and we align those things with, with the agenda of the house. I'm not talking about over-loyalty, because sometimes your wild, crazy suggestion is just what Steve and Janet need and the team. They need to be, have their mindset broken as well, but if you come as a son and a daughter and you share it with humility and you submit it and surrender it, they, they can deal with it. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> So maybe that's just a pastor talking, but I know what it's like. I know what it's like if people have an independent spirit, and they're filled with the spirit of God. They're sons and daughters of God, but are they sons and daughters of a house where they know how to align that? They know how to earth it. It's all very well to believe in marriage, but unless you actually have been married, and Paul speaks about marriage, so I've got to be careful here, but. It's all very well to talk about being a son and a daughter of God, but unless it's earthed in a local house, it's, it's just theory, actually. 
family. So I also had this word in this place because you don't have to be a rocket scientist to, to know that God is, there's, there's a need here for a swell up of young people in this church. Amen? And God wants to do it. Amen. Thank you, young people. So I want to suggest this. It's not a command, but I want to suggest this. You know, Paul says we have many teachers, but not many fathers. There's people here in this, this congregation that, you can, that can father you, young people. And there's people, older people, that God is wanting you to father and mother. You don't have to be their father and mother, but you can be a father. You can represent the father, God, to them. Young people, take your Google know-it-all mindset and say, you know what? There's things that I can't learn on Google. Amen? There's things I can learn from this guy and this lady. Let them pour something into you, even if it doesn't feel relevant to your generation. And older people, don't think what I know is not relevant to this generation. Amen. They need your love. They need your care. Amen. Thank you for those amens. (laughs) Okay. So being led, hearing his voice. Um, we need to learn to hear the nuances of the voice of God. We need to be led like a horse with a rider. I don't know if some of you saw, if you were watching that uh, procession after the wedding yesterday, um, they had these horses, and some of the horses didn't have riders, and they were kept veering off. But there was a horse that had a rider on, and it was actually going straight. And I thought it was an amazing picture of what it is to be led by the Holy Spirit. We're led like he's, he's actually in charge. The pilot of a ship. You know, a ship without a, without a captain or a ship without someone in there is, is dangerous, actually. It's really dangerous. You can cause a lot of damage. Um, the, that, 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 uh, the words, the Greek words about being led, those of the sons are led by the Spirit. It's, it has a sense of being carried along by the wind. And we know that the, uh, Jesus said, those that are born of the Spirit, you don't know where they're coming from, where they're going to. There's a freshness about us as those that are led. We surprise people. We get up to stuff. We get up to creative things. We come up with ingenious ideas because we're led by the Spirit of God. Amen. We keep the devil on his toes, actually, because we, he doesn't know where we're coming from next or going to next. And it, it also has a connotation of being guided and directed as a blind man. You know, if you picture someone that doesn't have sight, they need to be led by a guard dog or led by another person's hand. That's the sense of those that are led by the Spirit. We're led by Him. we Almost as if we don't have our own sight because we don't, we don't lean to our, our, our fleshly understanding. We lean to what he is, what he's on. We grow in confidence. And this is really, I'm, I'm just bringing this to a close now. The last thing is, is being brave. Oh, there are a few other things to say. But uh, being brave. You know, in Judges chapter 6, verse 12, where, where the angel appears to Gideon, and you know that, that Gideon was... In a wine press, threshing wheat. He wasn't even doing the right thing in the right place. But the angel came to him and said, let's see what he says. Angel said to him, the Lord is with you, a mighty man of valor. And uh, in the New Living Translation, it says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. And um, I've had this prophesied of my life that I've got a big angel. Can you see it? I've got a big angel about 10 foot tall behind me. So when I stand up here, I don't think about me because there's not very much of me. But I think about that. I think about what's God's definition of me. So in this very front row here, some time ago, God said to me, 
you're a five-fold prophetic psalmist. I've, I have never shared that publicly, actually. But maybe today's the day for that. That's what God said to me. And I was like, what? You know? Yes, that's what I want to be, but it's not really what I see myself as. Uh, and here I am today, hopefully pro- prophesying over you and being that. And, um, and, and so I'm living in God's definition of me, not my own definition of me. Amen? What is God's definition of you? Mighty hero. Mighty hero. Don't see yourself as what you saw yourself. See yourself as mighty hero. And when you shake in your boots, just say, that's, that's, I'll choose. That's faith. Faith is seeing it the way God sees it. Amen. So let's be brave. The Holy Spirit, learn to hear his voice. It's sweet. It's quiet. Sometimes it's loud, but it's quiet, you know. It's that still small thing, but it's super powerful. It's like the wind. It leads you. It goes. And it requires bravery. It requires action. It requires you getting out the boat. It requires you coming to Steve and saying, hey, I've got this crazy idea, Steve. Let's do, let's do something. Amen. I think that's it. Yeah, yeah, come on, come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Um, maybe just a couple of other things. So the one, one is just the pillar of fire. You know that the children of Israel were led by the, by the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. Pillar of cloud was by the day because they needed shade and it was visible in the, in the, in the sky. And then at night it was, a, it was a fire because they needed heat. And they needed to be, it needed to be visible. And I just felt that, that the glory of God is, that's the glory manifested in the desert, leading them. And when the cloud moved, they packed up their stuff and they got going. And if the cloud is moving, let's pack up our stuff and going, get going with what God's got. Amen. Amen.